Welcome to the podcast of the preaching ministry of LifePoint Church, led by Pastor Lane Harrison. We pray this ministry is a blessing for your life. For more information about LifePoint, please visit lifepointozark.com. For more information and resources from Pastor Lane, please visit mlaneharrison.com. John chapter 8, I want to talk about being set free by truth this morning. Set free by truth. You know, in high school, I couldn't wait to get free. To get free, you know? I mean, I was living for freedom. I lived not for the classes that I took, but for the five minutes in between them at school, right? Uh, that, that was my, um, my mantra in high school. I couldn't wait to get out of the house because getting out of the house defined freedom for me in high school. And, and I had a loving home, all of that. It was just me. That's what I wanted to do. And then the bills started coming and they had my name on it. And I thought, have you lost your ever loving mind? What have you done? Go home, go home. Um, One thing I did learn in that is this, though. Hear me. Freedom is never determined by what you get out of. Freedom is never determined by what you get out of. And that's a lesson that most people, if not all people, have to learn. Many things hold us captive. We can think about the extremes of addiction or or the extremes even of our justice system in jail that holds us captive if we've been sentenced in that way. But you know, many people are enslaved by things that we don't think of in that way, like jobs, debt, bad decisions, broken relationships. These are all things that hold people captive. When we get into something like this, we tend to think freedom would be determined by if I could only get out. And we pursue that as the answer. But friends, true freedom is never just about getting out of anything. The freedom I'm talking about today is ultimate freedom. And all other freedoms stem from this kind of freedom. It's the ultimate freedom from the condemnation and the guilt that follows us no matter where we are nor whom we with, we're with or what we're in the midst of. It's, it's that guilt and condemnation that sources from that brokenness in life. So no matter how great things appear to be going on the outside or in life, if you've not dealt with this and if you don't know this ultimate freedom, that guilt and condemnation remains. That's why some of the wealthiest people on earth, some of the most powerful people on earth are the most miserable people on earth because they thought that what they pursued gave them that freedom. I'm talking about the freedom from that which causes us to love others or even to like others uh, in ways that really only serve ourselves. I'm talking to us about the reality that so many deal with on a daily basis of the fact that when we look in the mirror, we too often don't even like or love ourselves when we see what's before us. True freedom is never found in what you get out of, but what you put your life in and the fact that you walk and live in that. You see, therefore, true freedom only comes when we entrust our life to the truth of Jesus Christ that sets us free from the ultimate slavery of sin, that we might walk in his 
truth. You see, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't just deliver us from sin slavery, but what does it do? It transfers us, we saw last week, from the kingdom of darkness into what? The kingdom of his son, which is the kingdom of light. True freedom is not found in the position between darkness and light. It's only found when we walk in the light. That's what we're talking about today. Here's what I want us to walk away with. Jesus sets us free from sin when we abide in his truth. Jesus sets us free from sin when we abide in his truth. In John chapter 8, we're going to be in verses 31 all the way through 59 today. And so you'll have to indulge me. I'm not going to read every verse of the text, but I'm going to summarize them to help us. I will begin by reading the first couple of verses that we might set the stage for what we are talking about. Verse 31, Jesus says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let's pause there. Jesus is speaking to those who believed in him. Now that sets in contrast to what we've already seen in the first two sections of chapter 8. Those who, you might say, didn't believe in him. And rather antagonistically and aggressively opposed him in every way. But he tells them, okay, you claim that you've believed in my word, but here's how you'll know that. If you abide in my word, the truth of my word will set you free. And so Jesus begins to labor to teach them what it means to really believe. That's what we've talked about, and that's what we'll continue to talk about throughout our study in the Gospel of John. What does the word believe mean? Because we've reduced the definition of believe in our day and time time just to some intellectual position that we hold and that's not a biblical understanding of believe at all and so Jesus is clarifying this to be a true disciple a real Christ follower following Jesus friends begins with a decision but it always remains in the present tense of God's power at work in your life always See, when God saves us, salvation answers life's biggest need. But this idea, this term we talk about, discipleship, is where the hardest lessons of life are taught and learned. And that's where God's salvation becomes our sanctification in life. Discipleship clarifies in the physical realm what has really occurred in the spiritual realm. That we are saved to be transformed into Jesus' image. I, I loathe sometimes the way I see this word transformation used. Because while transformation can occur in an instant, it takes a lifetime to really see it fleshed out. But we talk about transformation as if it's just little inspirational moments that lift us. But when scripture talks about transformation, it uses the term sanctification, sanctified, sanctified ones, 
which is the word for holy, holiness, holy ones, saints. That's what it speaks of in Scripture. And so transformation is not just an inspirational moment. It is a power that brings life from death. And it changes us from glory to glory, from who we were to who Christ is. And that process of sanctification is what we talk about so often as discipleship. You see, true salvation produces sanctification. And transformation of life means salvation completes in an instant what sanctification takes a whole lifetime to work out. I want us to look at three lessons in this passage of Scripture that teach us how Jesus sets us free to live in the salvation that he gives. How it is that Jesus sets us free to live out this salvation, this eternal life that he gives to us. And the the first lesson that Jesus teaches is that he clarifies God's purpose in salvation. And here's the lesson. If we abide in God's truth, He sets us free from slavery to sin to live as a child of God. Abiding in God's truth sets us free from slavery to sin to live as a child of God. And this is God's purpose in salvation. Jesus uses three phrases in these verses that we looked at that I want to dial in on to help us understand about the fruit, the freedom, excuse me, that truth brings. The first one we see in verse 31. If you abide in my word. You see, the first phrase he uses is simply teaches us this, that abiding in Jesus' word reveals our true belief. He, he, he does this thing about um, abiding versus enjoying. And listen, I, I'm going to give you the end before we get there today. Not everything is going to be hunky-dory when we get to the end of this passage with everyone that starts it. Those who were believers when it started, some of them will not be the same when we're finished today. We've seen this time and time and time again. When Jesus clarifies believe in the scripture, it always thins the herd. But he begins in this way. If you abide in my word, it reveals that you have true Belief. Friends, God's word is not our inspirational thought of the day. It's not our little quip that we should read before we check the horoscope. God's word sources his life in us. Without his word, there is no life. Without the word of God, your prayers are meaningless. Why? Because what you're praying is sourced from you. And you go, but shouldn't I be telling God my requests and my needs? Yes, but without the truth of his word informing us, we're not telling him our requests. We're making them God in his place. 
We must remain in God's word if we want his word to remain in us. I've said this many times and it's helpful for me to remember, but the point of my reading God's word is not just to read the word, but the point of me reading God's word is so God's word will begin to read me. When we read, when we meditate, when we memorize the word of God, these are all essential practices that demonstrate our true belief because they demonstrate our dependence on God as our source, as our source. And so abiding in God's word becomes the lifeline for Christ followers. That's the first phrase through which we we learn this first lesson that Jesus is teaching us about abiding in his truth to set us free from slavery so that we can live as a child of God. The second phrase is found in the first half of verse 32. Look there. If you abide in my word, he says, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth. You will know the truth. Here's the second phrase. When we abide in Jesus' words, we come to know the truth. You see, Christians abide because that's how we come to know the truth. Abide is not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It doesn't necessarily only produce an emotion or a feeling. Listen, I I don't want to remove emotions or feelings from this person that God created us to be. He wove them into us. The point is we shouldn't be driven by them. When the Bible talks about knowing or the knowledge It's never just referencing useless facts and trivia. It's not even uh, uh, referring to what might be known today as intellectual property. But rather, knowledge in the scripture is understanding from personal experience through practice. Through practice. And so it's not just an experience, but it's an experience in which we walk with him. One commentator says this about knowledge. We come to know the truth, not simply by intellectual assessment, but by moral commitment. Friends, Christianity today has too often removed any moral responsibility in accordance to the truth of God's word that is taught, as if we can be moral without God. And we say, well, my morality doesn't have anything to do with my Christianity. Well, it may not, but your Christianity has everything to do with your morality, right? You don't have to answer that right now if you're struggling with it, but it is right. Listen, until you obey to live it, You don't really know it. That's what Jesus is saying here. I'm going to tell you a little bit about skydiving. But what I'm going to tell you about is I don't know anything about it. I only fly when necessary, but I don't even consider jumping out of airplanes. I I don't even consider jumping out of high places. I never went off the high dive. You know, I, I didn't even climb up to the high dive because it was... Well, hi. But you know, many people would claim to know God with the same level of knowledge that I have of skydiving. None. I've heard of it. I've read about it. I've even watched the video where the dude jumped out of the airplane with no parachute and landed in a net. Yesterday was his celebration day. 
April Fools? <sighs> okay, I won't use that again. That, that's a fool's business. You see, believe, this idea of believing, it means that we remain in God's word until what it says produces obedience in this life for how I live. That's what it means to believe. That's why Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We're walking around asking why it is that we're not experiencing the freedom when we've read about it and walked away from it and not thought any more of it. From a biblical perspective, knowing God's truth always produces obedience. And until your life has lived in the reality of what the Bible states, hear me, friends, you don't have the knowledge that God wills for you yet. Whatever he's doing in you, which is what we're going to look at today, you need to understand this. What he says is where he's leading you to live. The third phrase is in the second half of verse 32 when he says this, and the truth will set you free. Personal obedience to God's truth is where our freedom brings us. As long as you practice sin, you remain enslaved to it. Every committal of sin in your life reveals that it is that sin or the root from which that sinful act grows continues to hold you enslaved. Now listen, remember we're talking about sanctification here not justification. We're talking about the process through which Christ makes us more and more from glory to glory into his image. So this isn't some issue where, well, we're already saved. We don't really have to focus on this. But what I told you to begin with and what this first lesson teaches us is that if we are saved, as the scripture speaks of it, the reality of sanctification will be an ever-present ongoing process in our heart and in our life. And every time a sinful act occurs, which for us is potentially moment by moment, at least hour by hour, for some of you who are more advanced than I am, right? My point to you is not, well, should we fear our salvation? No, what you should do is run to your Savior. Because in those places and in those areas, the truth of God is not taking full hold in you so that you walk with God. You are still walking as if you are still in darkness. You are still living as if you are still enslaved. But Christ has set you free. Go live in freedom. That's why I say freedom is not just about what you get out of it's about what you walk in and when you find sinful habits and addictions and the things that steal our affections and command our attention because they demand our mental faculties Jesus is saying this it doesn't matter what accessories or what quips you put on it if you're not walking in it you don't really know why I have come 
Obedience by abiding in God's truth reveals our true belief in what Jesus says about our new identity. That friends, we are children of God. That's what he's wanting us not only to know, but to live in the reality of abiding in God's word reveals true belief in us that we know God as we walk in obedience and experience his freedom. Friends, we live by the words that live and grow in us. We do. We live by the words that live and grow in us. Now, some would tell you you create your own reality by what you proclaim or declare over your life. That's predominantly a false gospel. Just because you say it doesn't make it so, okay? And just because you continue to repeat it with intensity and with increasing regularity doesn't mean that it's ever going to come to be. But I can tell you this, if you keep telling yourself that, you will believe it. And you'll walk in the darkness of what you think you're proclaiming. Don't buy that. But the story that we tell ourselves tells us who we are. The story that we continually tell ourselves tells us who everybody else is. The story that we continually tell ourselves tells us about all that is. And the narrative that we rehash in our mind holds our heart and determines our steps. Friends, if if I had time, I would talk about why parents' voices and words are the most important things in a young child's life. Because it will be that voice that they hear for the rest of my life. I still hear my father's and I still hear my mother's voices telling me the truths about God over me. I also hear my mother saying what she probably said to me more than anything else, other than I love you, you're going to be a preacher. From which I ran for years. Hence the reason I wanted to get out of the house. I mean, you know, the words that you speak to your children become a voice that defines this narrative. And I would say this to you, don't just make sure you tell them things that are, you know, peppy and, and, oh, feel good, but tell them the truth. Because even from birth, they are dying to hear it. We live by the words that live and grow in us. When God's word is alive in us, we're told a new story. We we have a new narrative that defines us and that defines everything. It's a narrative of life. It's a narrative of love. It's a narrative of peace. It's a narrative of joy. It's a narrative of purpose that tells us who God is, that tells us who we are, that tells us what God is doing in the world. You see, freedom from from sin's enslaving habits comes as we listen to God's word and as we believe this new identity that we've been given in Jesus Christ, that we might live by obedience through faith in him. This is the new story that the gospel tells us of life in Jesus Christ. Here's what Jesus goes on to say. He says, the slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son, the son remains forever. You see, the slave is only in the house for a time. And usually when they're in there, they're busy with dirty work. But God's child has permanent residence in the palace of his kingdom. 
And that's what God's telling us. That's what God is telling you. And he said, I want you to live like what I've said is true of you because it is. Because I've made it true of you by faith in Jesus Christ. And when you believe the word, the truth will set you free. That's what Jesus is saying. It'll set you free, not just from what you come out of, but what you begin to walk in light of. When we abide... Jesus' word sets us free by telling us the truth so we can live it out every day. Jesus says to abide in his word, we must understand what it is that holds us enslaved. See, we can be sure that Jesus' words haven't remained in us when we persist in our sin. But the only way to know that you are abiding in God's truth is when sin's power over you is broken by obedience. Obedience comes through the power of God's word in you as you live in your new identity by faith in Jesus. Here's the first lesson that Jesus teaches us. It's the purpose of salvation. Truth sets us free from sin slavery to live as a child of God. Here's what we're going to sing in a moment when I'm finished with this sermon. In a few moments. I'm not going to lie to you. I, when I preach on truth, I really shouldn't lie to you. Matter of fact, I should be very clear, right? Here's what we're going to sing. I'm no longer a slave to sin. We are still singing this, aren't we, Tyler? Okay, good. Thank you. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. The words that we continually tell ourselves tell us who we are and who and what everything else is all about. Do not let the words in your head, in your heart, or in your life tell you another story because every other story is death. The second lesson that we learn here today, let's move towards that. Once we confess our sinful nature and recognize the way that sin enslaves us and embrace this new identity that Jesus gives to us, we cultivate the new identity in the way we live. And so we move into verses 39 through 47 where they begin to um, uh, misunderstand, but probably with some intentionality, what Jesus said. They said, Abraham is our father. Jesus said, verse 39, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works that Abraham did, right? Why? Because true belief becomes moral commitment. And that's what Jesus is helping them see here. The people misunderstood what it meant to be Abraham's children. You see, God's promise comes to Abraham's spiritual offspring, not his natural offspring. The spiritual promise ruled the physical reality, and that misunderstanding caused them to continue in sin's slavery. So they're following everything with the right labels, but it's not leading to the place that God intended for them. They argued that God was their father, and Jesus says, if God were truly your father, you'd know your brother, because I'm his son. But because you don't know your brother, God's not really your father. And what he goes on to tell them 
I think understandably we can understand how it would upset them. Jesus said this, your actions show because you want to kill me that you're really sons of the devil. Well, if you're going to pick a fight, you might as well put all your cards on the table to begin with. And Jesus said this, the devil really leads you and he's really the one whose will you want to do in your life. That's what your actions show But he goes on to say that Satan is a liar and there is no truth in him. And when we live in sin, we follow Satan's lie. Friends, you cannot stand in truth when you follow Satan's lie. You cannot see it, you cannot hear it, and you will not entertain truth because you do not know God. That's what Jesus is telling them. They won't listen to him. Why? Because they want to do Satan's will because they're children of the devil. And Jesus' words echo a strong warning for those who claim to be Christian today. It doesn't matter how well you wear the label. It doesn't matter how well you speak the language. If you don't believe so that you follow Jesus with your life, you don't really know him. That's called a line in the sand. I'm not drawing it. Jesus drew it. It's called discipleship. Where we live our life and we come to these moments where truth invades darkness with its light. And we realize, I have not walked in the light in this part of my life. I'm not trusting Jesus. I'm saying something that doesn't accord with the way I'm living. Christ followers do the work that Abraham did. What work did Abraham do? Well, Don't turn there right now, but Romans 4 helps us with this. Verses 16 and following, Paul shows us in Romans 4. And in verses 18 to 21, here's what he said. In hope, he believed against hope. In hope, Abraham believed against hope. You went, what in the world? He hoped in God and what God had said, right? But the reality of his physical life, there was no hope. That's what Paul tells us. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body. Why? Because he was 100 years old and God said, you're about to be a father. Congratulations. (laughs) Right? Ah, ah, I'm 47 and if God told me that today, I'd I'd be trying to catch my breath. Right? I love kids, especially when they leave with their mama and daddy and go home so I can get some sleep. <laughs> Verse 20. No belief, excuse me, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Walking by faith in the truth of God's word, whether you fully understand it, whether you fully embrace it, whether you fully are convinced of it or not, is not the issue. The issue is, has God said it? Then trust it. That's the issue, friends. 
Abraham believed and he acted on God's promise even when the reality he could see told him something completely different. What determined whether or not Abraham would go when God said go? The narrative that he continually told himself, God said go, that's what I'm going to do. Because I believe him. And when I believe him, I'm going to obey him. See, friends, my point with you today is not to condemn you if you find an area of your life where you're not living in obedience. It's to encourage you. Because until you see the darkness within which you are enslaved, you can't know what you need to get out of. And until you hear the truth of God's word, you can't know what you're supposed to walk in instead of what you're living in. That's repentance. You turn away from believing one thing and you begin to walk after your understanding and belief in another. Jesus' second lesson builds on the first to teach us how it is that we live in this new relationship, this new identity with him. Here's the second lesson. Truth exposes our sinful nature by our works, but builds our new identity in Jesus within our heart. You see that? Truth exposes our sinful nature by our works. So when we see what we do, we see that attitude that we know is sin. When that thought crosses our mind, we go, oh man, I don't want to think that way about those people. Even though I'm angry at them, even though I'm believing something, it may not have anything to do with them, you still believe that way about them. I don't want to say those words when those situations arise because I know it's not right for me. I don't want to act in this way when I get into these situations because I know it's not right. You see, it's by our sinful acts that the truth exposes the nature of who we are when we live in darkness. But listen, it builds within us our new identity in Jesus within our heart. That Jesus has a better way. Friends, the hardest lesson of discipleship deals directly with the deepest reality of our being. It's our identity. It's our identity. That's why Jesus is not just trying to get you to conform to a specific morality, but rather to transform you so that the morality that comes from you demonstrates the life that is within you. That's what the gospel is all about. Everything else flows from this lesson in our life, that the purpose of salvation is to sanctify us. And when we abide in the truth, we will walk with Jesus. That's what it means to believe. But the second lesson builds on that understanding that it, truth continually exposes that sinful nature by our works, but it builds within us. It doesn't just hammer us. It builds within us a new identity in Jesus within our heart. That's what Jesus is trying to say to these who had believed in him. And genuinely, there were some who had By nature, we are sin-cursed to the core, and we will never know victory over our sins until we have freedom in our new identity. For we are saved from slavery to become sons and daughters of God. You see, sin's habits persist because our sinful nature continues to define us by deceiving us. And we will never know victory over our sin until we live in our new identity in Jesus. This is a war and it is raging at the very heart of who you are. 
But God has brought victory. Victory is not questionable. It's completed. It's finished. All you have to do is to walk in what God has done for you through Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you, every day, Satan is unleashing his artillery on you, but he cannot touch the one who is transforming you if you will walk with him. That's what Jesus is telling them. The second lesson, this is showing us the process, friends, of discipleship. The process, not just the purpose of our salvation, but now the process of our sanctification. Jesus contrasts a life motivated by sin and a life motivated by self versus a life that is led by God from faith. Their actions were opposing and even wanting to kill Jesus. That's what showed who they really are. Listen, friends, you may not like what you see when you see the patterns of your thinking or the patterns of your attitudes or the patterns of your actions, but do not dismiss them. Take them captive so that you can cause them to be subject to the truths of God's word and ask of God, search me and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. And I've already found the wickedness that I know of, God. Here it is. Forgive me of that. Give me the truth of your word and the faith to walk in that. Because as long as you walk in your sinful habits and deeds, actions, attitudes, you are believing a lie and you are telling yourself that lie repeatedly every day. That's why you're running to it for your joy and for your pleasure. And it may be for an instant, but when it's gone, it's destructive. Good people live right according to the flesh. And that's how we convince ourselves that what I do is okay because there's some that are better, but there are many that are worse. That is a damnable thought pattern every time. Godly people live by faith in God's word. John Gerstner, an early 20th century scholar, he rattles our comfort when he tells us this as believers. The main thing between you and God is not so much your sins, but hear me, it is your damnable good works. You see, they hide your sin. They cause you to believe that, well, look what I've done, God. The scales are evening. No, see, friends, that's how we measure good, by morality. God doesn't measure it in that way. Living in our new identity in Jesus is a reality that every Christ follower must cultivate. Instead of living by Satan's lies born out of actions in the flesh, we live by faith in God through his truth that takes root in the heart. You see, cultivating our heart through God's word to grow a comprehensive love for Jesus, that's the purpose of all discipleship. And all that we do either grows our love for Jesus or it is born of self or religion and it is our damnable good works and they are the work of Satan's lies in us. 
Look at three indicators that when we use them together, they help us discern who it is we're trusting and whether we're living out of our new identity in Jesus. This is what Jesus is telling them here in these verses. The first indicator is this. Obedience to God's word deepens our affections for Jesus. Not just our emotions, not just a sense of love, but a genuine love that literally sources everything else in our life. You will not live in opposition to what you love. You'll run after it with all your heart, whether you acknowledge you love it or not. And you can look at what you run after so hard with your money, with your time, with your energy, with your thinking, whatever it is, and you can know that's what I love most because that's what I run after hardest. And what discipleship does is Jesus is telling them that when you are growing, when you obey God's word, it deepens an affection for Jesus. When we live by faith through God's word, obedience grows deeper love for Jesus every time. Not to say that obedience happens naturally or easily. No, that's what Satan would try to deceive you with. It's not natural. I can tell you this. We've already looked at our sinful nature, and it's not easy. I can tell you that. I've already said the hardest decisions in life are forged in the process and the journey of discipleship as God is remaking us from within. But it always produces, obedience always produces an increasing love for Jesus. This is why we get frustrated with God when we live out of our own strength and we do the actions that he tells us to do without the faith that God requires. We do them in our own strength and we go, hey, hey, did you see what I did? Look at me, look at me. And when God's not impressed, when he doesn't answer our prayers the way we want him to, when he doesn't receive us, when he doesn't reward us the way that we think he should, we go, did you not see what I did? Why? Because we did it in our strength. We didn't do it out of faith. When our love for Jesus increases and deepens within us, our obedience is strengthened because of the joy, the peace, and the love that it produces in us. This first indicator leads us to regularly ask, how is it that my love for Jesus increases and deepens to a stronger motivation of living in obedience to his word? The second indicator is this. It increases our intellect. Obedience increases our intellect. It does. Following Jesus, friends, increases one's understanding of God, the way he works, his will for their life, and it also increases their understanding of the world. It may not grow what we would consider intellect, but it grows what God considers intellect. We think of knowledge as facts, right? God thinks of knowledge as relationship, which is wisdom, the living out, and that's where he grows our intellect. The third indicator of obedience to God's word is that it strengthens our volition, Strengthens our volition, our will, our desire to do God's will and word. These three indicators together help you discern your trusting and your identity. The more we follow Jesus, the more we depend on every aspect of the work of God's word in us. To grow us, to mature us, to guide us. See, the longer you follow Jesus the more you depend completely upon him for all things at all times in life because you recognize more and more your need for him and more and more his faithfulness to you. Christian growth and maturity begins with looking at our actions to discern our master. 
but it always moves to our identity to understand our root motivation and strength under Jesus' lordship. Truth exposes our sinful nature by our works, but it builds our new identity in Jesus and our heart. We come to the last passage. I'm going to shut it down here pretty quickly. They, reje- they rejected Jesus with continued accusation. Jesus says this, unmoved by their accusations and threats, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. You see, the lights the Jews continued to want to refuse stood right in front of them. But Jesus said, I I didn't come for my own glory. I came for the Father's glory. And then he said, they they asked him, they said, how did you know Abraham? Or, yeah, how did you know Abraham? You're only maybe 50 years old at most, which he wasn't that old. And he said, because before Abraham was, I am. That sent him over the edge. (laughs) Why? Because those are the same words that God gave to Moses to give to Pharaoh for who would deliver the people out of Egypt. You see, when they asked Jesus who he was, he told them the truth. But they didn't want to believe it, so they rejected it. Here's the third lesson that we learn. Truth anchors life in Jesus to rejoice in God's glory in all of life. As I said, it won't necessarily be easy because it wasn't easy for Jesus. They hated him. They're going to hate us when we follow him. But when Satan can't deceive us, he will try to crush us. But our strength is not in ourself. It's in the one who was not crushed by Satan. And Jesus says, if anyone keeps my words, he will never see death. You see, truth stands regardless of what comes against it. And when we clothe our lives with the Lord Jesus Christ and we stand by faith in him, We will stand victorious against every scheme of Satan because Satan is a defeated foe. You see, the third lesson teaches us what it is that discipleship produces in us, a life of rejoicing in him. Friends, I I don't care how intense and how severe the antagonism, the accusation, and the attacks may feel If you stand in Christ, they will not win. And this is the point at which we must choose life in the midst of the hardest decisions and situations. When we take our eyes off of Jesus, we sink in our own understanding and in our own strength, right? But God's word anchors our life in the glory that only Jesus can provide at all times, in all situations, and in all circumstances, regardless of what it is that rages around us. Truth anchors our life in Jesus to rejoice in God's glory in all of life. I'll have the worship team return.